Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. How's everybody? Yes, you're okay? All right, so this has nothing that I was even thinking about talking about tonight, but um, while we were worshiping, I got totally and completely like charged with this challenge to you guys. Most of you have probably been in the services on Sunday over the last few weeks, and you've heard about this first, first fruits offering that's happening. Raise your hand if you have a clue. Okay, some of you don't, all right? First fruits offering, something we do every single year, and I just felt like God was saying, release a challenge to these young people in this room tonight, because we believe with all our heart this is not an old person thing to give something the first fruits of your heart. This isn't like a law legalistic, like this is like you have to, or God's going to strike you with lightning or something. But it is a reality of a get to. It's a pattern that God set out with his people from the very beginning. Remember Cain and Abel brought their offerings before God, like the first fruits of their crops, right? And one was acceptable because he brought the best of what he had. And the other was like not accepted by God because he's like, here's all the rotted vegetables. Do you get it? And he brought something that was not worthy of a gift before God. But this is, guys, this is an opportunity to partner with God. Do you follow? And I challenge you guys, if you're going to be here on Sunday morning, come with something. Pray about it over the next three, four days. Say, God, what could I give? A first fruits offering. If you have a job, most of you all live at home. Who has a job? Some kind of income. Okay? Seriously, most of you live at home with your parents. So you could literally give your entire income to God, and you're not going to go homeless. (laughs) That is a cool opportunity. I'm not telling you you should, okay? I'm just saying you have a powerful place and position that you can enter in without fear into partnering with God by sowing seeds into what he has planned for your life. And he's saying, trust me, show me that you trust and see what I'll do. That's all I'm calling you to. So pray about it. If you bring $1 and put it in that first fruits, remember the the woman with the mite, like, this is all I got, right? Okay, throw a dollar in there. Throw $10 in there. If you could throw $200 in there and just see what God does. If you're stressing about finances this year for a sports camp you want to go to, to go to Firestorm, if you want to go to the beach trip, if you want to, and you just start going, I'm not going to afford any of this stuff. Say, God, I put something before you because I know you can provide. Do it. Do you follow? Are you with me? You guys are so quiet, all right? Nobody's excited. They're like, I do not want to do that. No, but no, I challenge you guys in total faith to give, okay? First fruits, the first things you've received for the year. Like if it's your first paycheck of the year and you're just like, I feel like God said the whole thing, great, okay? If he says, oh, you know what? The first fruits is the first dollar I got this year. Absolutely awesome. Do you follow? This is going to be rough. Oh, my gosh. All right. So here's the deal. I wore my super cliche T-shirt tonight. Cliche T-shirt. Because guess what week it is. Oh, good. Half of you don't know. That's awesome. All right. No, I'm seriously. Saturday is Valentine's Day, right? And who knows it's better than it lands on a weekend where you don't have to put up with it at school, right? It's like, please give me a break, right? Anyway, no? Okay, for real. We're going to have to talk a little bit. So I have this insane burning in my heart passion for you guys, for your lives, for your futures that I cannot contain. Okay? And it has to do with sex. Yes. 
<laughs> right? Okay, we got the giggle out. Now we can move on, right? But listen, guys, there is something, and I know it's Valentine's week, and, but we're talking about the condition of your heart, right? Does it, when you look up there, you feel very romantic, right? That is just makes your, it just makes your whole being go, I want to be in love, right? It's so Valentine's-y, right? Think about that the next time some boy tells you, I love you with all my heart. Thanks. Right? Which is, it's better than the Old Testament though, right? Because the Old Testament, and like way back in the day, the seat of the emotions, our seat of the emotions is the heart. Back in the Old Testament, the seat of the emotions was your bowels. So literally, that is true. The seat of your emotions in the Old Testament times, like way back, way back, was, so you, that was a real romantic statement. I love you with all my intestines. Like pretty much like the poop storage. That was what you're like, I love you, baby. The whole thing. Okay. And it's like, oh, he's so dreamy. You know, like, oh my goodness. Right. So it's better that we have that. I think that's less gross. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we like this kind of heart better. Right. The little like, this nice and pretty and easy to draw on a love note. Right. Try drawing that on a love note. Be like, <laughs> what? Anyway. So, guys, I have about a million pages of notes that I want to try to talk about tonight, and I'm seriously leaning on the Holy Spirit to kind of condense, concise this thing down. But I really, absolutely, with all my heart, want to call you guys to another level, okay? Because this is something, what Dylan talked about last night, or last week, do you guys remember what he, what he touched on? Any part of it? How you believe God to be is the God you get to access, right? If you believe God's a thief and he's going to rob you of everything, then you're probably going to live as though everything's about to be taken from you, right? If you believe that God's a good father, then you're going to live in freedom that says, I can do whatever I want. I got three boys and they know I'm dad. And when I come home, it's dad, let's wrestle. And they don't even have a chance, but they don't care. They love jumping all over me and me throwing them to the couch, like airborne, like boom, right? Okay, they are free because they know that their father isn't going to throw them through the wall, right? If they perceived me as an abusive father, if they were like, dude, dad is going to whoop our butts and we are going to bleed. Once in a while, they do get hurt. But they know that's not my heart or my intention. So when I come home, they're like, let's wrestle. If I came home and their perception of me was, he's going to beat me, what, would they ever say that? Dad, let's go. Like, no. They'd be like, I'm in the corner. I'm scared, right? Do you follow? How you perceive God is the God you get to access. It doesn't change who God is because he is who he is regardless of what you believe and what you think. But when you see him for who he is, you understand that he's a father and you get to live incredibly free and incredibly guarded, incredibly protected and very, very safe. And it's fun. Are you with me? So this is what I want to challenge you guys to do because when you get that perception in your heart of who God is, that he is not here to rob you, okay? And we're going to talk about a few lies the enemy tries to convince us of, okay, tonight. I want to paint the picture of what God has designed for your sexuality in a bigger picture. 
Because I think the way that we look at God has absolutely trickled down into the way that we perceive how we're supposed to utilize the sexuality that we know God gave us, right? You've all heard God made sex and sex is good, right? You've all heard it. You're kind of like, well, it doesn't appear that way because I'm not allowed, right? This is not good because I can't. And if God's good, he'd let me do it, right? And that is where the world has begun to live is like that whole God thing is so old school, outdated, Really, if sex is good, it's for everybody. But I think in your, every one of your hearts, I don't have to convince you guys that God has set a reason and a boundary on sexuality for a reason. That reason is that what happens in sexuality between two people is more than just, wow, that felt good. There is chemical, physical, emotional, spiritual actual sticking together that occurs in sexuality between people. And God likes that. Adam and Eve, right? He's got Adam in the garden and he's like, man, I made the perfect man. And God sits back and says, it's not enough. It's not good. He needs someone to be totally stuck to. So he creates Eve, perfect woman. This is a good arrangement. And God was celebrating. He created them to have sex with one another. He gave them, I know you, right? He gave them the parts required. This is not new news for anybody, is it? Go call your mom. No, I'm just kidding. Okay? Seriously. And like some people I think think that God is like seriously afraid and embarrassed by sex. Like he was walking through the garden one day and like looked over in the bushes. Ah! What are you doing? Are you kidding? No, it's like God made them for that purpose. And I know it's kind of a sick thought, but he loves that occurring the way it's designed between them. Right? And there was no desire in either one of them to go find that with anybody else. None. Because they understood what it did to each other, for each other, for a purpose, and it was good. God even said it. It was good. He said, go, be fruitful and multiply. He commanded Adam and Eve. That was the first thing he said. Go, be fruitful and multiply. I don't know what else that means. Right? Can you, can you guess anything else? Right? So here's the standard that God has put out. And as you know, like throughout history, there's been all the sin and all the blah, 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 blah. What we get as a command from the very beginning is be holy as I am holy. And that's a huge, huge deal to swallow, right? Huge deal. How many of you believe God? Believe in God, believe what he says, okay? Now, here's a very different question. Put your hand down. How many of you trust God? Because it's different. You can believe everything that's in this book right here. You can totally believe it. 100%, all the words, you can say it, you can preach it, you can talk it. But if you don't trust God to handle your life, to care for you as a good father, then it doesn't matter that you believe it. So here's the deal. God designed man and woman to love one another for sexuality in the bonds, in the protection of the covenant of marriage because it's powerful. Powerful things have to be protected. 
If we went out and drilled a hole in the side of one of those silos at Three Mile Island, we'd have a problem. Right? Nuclear energy is exploding inside that place that creates enough electricity to power half of America. And if there were not walls around it, we'd all be dead. Do you follow? God made sex a powerful thing. Why is it powerful? Because of what it creates. Humans. (sighs) Right? His image imprinted, trusted to human beings to reproduce themselves in his image. There is crazy power in that. It's like a nuclear reactor that goes on. And that has to be contained within the protected confines of marriage covenant. I'm not telling you anything new, I don't think. But I'm refreshing your minds on this reality because what has now become this reality is that sex is the cash cow like line, especially church people, really good good for, good for this. I was raised in a church, right? And my youth group did sex talks and it was this whole like abstinence, abstinence, abstinence. And we're all like seventh grade, like what does that mean? That's a big word, right? And they're like, you don't have sex until you're married. And for all intents and purposes, I'm sure they said more than this. That's all I got out of it. It's like, okay, I can handle that. But there was nothing more given to me than don't put my thing in her thing. I said it, didn't I? <laughs> Come on. You're all, this is, you had biology, right? At some point, right? Okay, that literally, I think that's what translated into my mind is save sex for marriage. But go have a party between now and then. And you know your generation is at least at that point. Your entire generation is at least go have fun, do this and that. And there's a few out there that'll say, I'm going to save my virginity. All of them in Hollywood, you know, they real stand out. They're like, I'm going to be a virgin, you know. But are they pure? I wasn't taught. I wasn't given a picture of pure. I was given safe sex for marriage. And then you'll get married. You'll walk down the aisle. Your wedding night will be amazing. And the rest of your life will be perfect. So I literally bought into this reality that as long as I don't have sex before my wedding day, I'm set. I've succeeded. The battle's over. Truth? What? Not even close. Because my heart became very impure long before that. Because in that place where I was like, this is free. Like, I got whatever. Okay? And something inside of me knew better. I really knew in my heart. I was like, this is wrong. But, so, but I was able to go like, yeah, well, I'm a virgin. And somehow that was so valuable. Okay? Matthew 5. If you have your Bible, you can open it. You don't have to. I'm going to read it. You can trust me, I think. Matthew 5, right here, okay? Talks about adultery. Yeah. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Crap. Right? And this guy, this was targeted at men, okay, right? Get it? That in that culture, in that day, when a woman committed adultery, she was stoned to death immediately. So Jesus found it necessary to address the men on this issue specifically. But I would say in today's culture, the reality is this is both and both ways. Okay? 
Men, you look at a woman lustfully, you begin undressing her with your eyes, okay? Because, wow, that'd be great, okay? Adultery is happening. Women, you begin to fantasize a life with the perfect man that you saw on The Bachelor. Adultery in your heart. You're building a false reality that your husband, I guarantee, he's going to be a wonderful man. But he will not measure up. Because he's not going to take you on a helicopter to the Amazon canopy tour with a bottle of wine and an unlimited budget. It's not going to happen. But women live in this world of building this reality. And it's every bit as damaging as pornography. A man looking at a naked woman's body doing who knows what, building this false reality of what sex is actually like. Women build a similar falsehood in their hearts going like, oh, and he's going to sweep me off my feet and I'm going to, and girls, I know you're all going, not me. Yes, you do. Okay. And I'm not, this isn't condemnation zone right here, but this is the reality guys that if that was the standard, okay. And what he's saying here, and I love this key word in this passage is when anyone looks at a woman lustfully, he's committed adultery in his heart. Adultery, we automatically associate with the violation of marriage. But it doesn't say when any married person looks at a married person or when any single person looks at a married woman lustfully, he commits adultery. But this could apply to a single male or female looking at the opposite sex, single. And the Bible still calls this adultery. There's not a marriage bond on either side, but it's still adultery, which we absolutely equate to the reality that adultery is the violation of marriage. So, can I propose to you that from the very day you get a revelation and reality of who God is, that he loves you, that he has a plan for your life, you are to commit your heart in 100% devotion to your spouse years before you ever meet them. Why not? You don't need to meet Mr. Perfect when you're 21 years old. And after going through who knows how many guy, like boyfriends or how many girlfriends, and suddenly she pops into your life and now all is roses and all is well. What if at age 10, 11, I talked to my 10-year-old Tyler about sex like a few months ago. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do this, really? But you know why I did that? He hasn't even thought about it yet. But I want to be the first person to educate him on it. Because if I can get his heart before the world gets his heart, before the internet gets his heart, and I guarantee the internet's going to try. Because he's got more access than any child at 10 years old has ever had in the history of mankind to crap and doesn't even know it. But if I can captivate my son's heart at 10 years old to say, I have a wife and I will not defile her. Even if I meet her when I'm 10 and a half. Because you defile the marriage any, by doing anything prior to that day. Even with that person. Like you hear the wonderful stories, okay? The, the seventh graders that meet and they date. Jeremy and Kat Searball, right? You guys, a lot of you know them, right? Dated all the way through junior high, high school. Dave and Johanna dated throughout junior high, high school, the whole deal. Like that's like so great. So was it, was it at ever, ever at any point in that process okay for them to mess around because they ultimately got married, so they really didn't defile their marriage? 
No? Not okay. Or was it? Because outside the protection and covenant of marriage, sex and sexuality will destroy you. So here's the big picture I want to paint. And this is radical. This is out of control, radical reality. Could you really, truly preserve the purity of your marriage to the day you get married by completely treating it as though you're already engaged to the one? And if you think of it in such a way that God has provided for me a spouse, I haven't met him yet, but I am engaged now to whoever they are. Would that change the way you act with current people that you would decide to date? Or would it not? You'd be like, you know. I think without a doubt, you have the opportunity to say, you know what? No, I'm engaged. And you can tell people this. Be like, I'm engaged. Haven't met them yet. Don't you dare mess with it. Because every one of you would have a major problem if you were driving down the street of Harrisburg and saw me walking along the sidewalk hand in hand with some woman other than Marcy, right? Yeah. You'd all call Brian, Dave, Dylan, Charles, John. That is why is that an affair? But if you're already betrothed to the one, whoever they are, live like it. And I know that's a crazy high call. That's like, are you kidding me, man? And I've talked about this with all these people lately. I'm going to like, what if the real reality, what if the true high call of be holy as I am holy is don't even hold hands until you're standing at the altar with her dad approving of the day. And people go like, isn't that legalistic? And I said, well, how do you define legalism? Man-made rules, right? Outside the word of God. I would contend that any line beyond that, that we make up is legalism because God never said, you know, this is all right. Because if it stirs your heart to sexuality and awakens things that are not appropriate for the season you're in, you're violating something, guys. And I'm not going to tell you that that is the line for you. I want you to totally rip through your heart Erase all the crap that the enemy has fed your brain through your culture, your friends, the expectations, your own needs and desires that I need and I feel and I want and I this. Rip that stuff out and say, okay, right now, today, from now, God's really big on restoration. Because if you're sitting here going, well, I already held hands. I screwed up, man. Okay. Get over it. Say, God, I today want to declare my engagement. And I will guard and protect my marriage from this day forward. You've maybe slept with someone already. Gone all the way to sex, right? Oh, my goodness. Damaged goods, right? God, God tries to convince people, or not God, Satan tries to convince you that you are rejected by him, damaged goods, unreturnable, nobody will ever take you. You can't have a pure and holy marriage. Yeah, you can. Because God's in the business of restoration. He's not in the business of letting you run your life until it hits rock bottom and say, you know, he'll take you then. But don't lie to yourself and say, well, if I can repent later and get it all back, I'm good. 
Pick today, choose today who you will serve. Because your culture has got boatloads of lies to you. Oh, you got to date around and make out with enough people. to You know, you got to make sure you like kissing the person you're going to marry. I guarantee it won't be a problem. Seriously, and even more so, this, this reality, you better sleep with people because what if it doesn't work, right? You know, like you wouldn't want to be locked with that for the rest of your life. I guarantee it'll work. Because God designed it. And the more you guard it, the more you set yourself up to say this, marriage is holy. My engagement is holy. That's real love. Because I love hearing teenagers go, I just love her so much and I have to let her know every day. So we have to hug and we've got to snuggle and kiss her. And frankly, I think that's BS. Because to betray your future marriage now in the name of, oh, she needs to feel loved, is 100% about you and you wanting to kiss that girl or you wanting to snuggle with that guy. Because if you really love them, you guard their marriage too. Whether, it's up, whether it comes to you or whether it's to somebody else, you send that princess off to her prince better than when you met her. Right? And girls, the same thing. I mean, it, sometimes it feels one-sided. Well, it's up to the guy. If he pursues me, I'm, I can't stop it. Right? Like, get a grip. You are powerful people anointed with the Holy Spirit of the Most High God to own the body that he's given you and cherish it. And if you really want to say you love, prove it. Don't steal because that's not love when you're like, oh, just because guys, I've been down this road. For real. And I know, it's like, oh, well, Ben didn't do it perfect, and he turned out okay, so it must be fine. Those are lies of the enemy where you can look and just go, well, I think they made it, and they did okay, and so-and-so slept together for, you know, and for 20 people, and then they got married, and they're really happy, so I guess it can still work out for me. But that's not what God's called your heart to be. And God's never said, compare yourself to the world, see how you lay out, and then move forward. His command is be holy as I am holy, pure. The condition of your heart that you bring, because guess what, guys? Your purity is not a gift to your spouse. Newsflash. Everybody's always thought, you know, I bring my purity to my marriage, and this is like the golden idol that I get to bring to my marriage, and now it's earned me this beautiful marriage reality. That's BS too. Your purity is a gift unto God from day one to day 10 million. It's always a gift to God because he brings you together with the one that you will spend the rest of your life with according to his perfect design. So here's a go. I didn't even touch my notes yet, and I'm probably not going to hit all this. <sighs> Three lies that the enemy is going to try to convince you of is that God's ignoring you in this walk, you've got a walk to take and you've got to decide, okay, I know my sex drive is real, but I also know it's going to carry me through. But you're, there's going to be this, this enemy thing and it looks all different ways. But the enemy is going to say, God is ignoring you. 
He doesn't even understand that you desire this and you want this and you can't even control this. You sit down in front of the computer and you don't even know what's going on inside you. And all of a sudden you're looking at crap you know you shouldn't. And then somehow you're gratified for a moment or two and then you feel like crap again. And God doesn't care because the enemy just told you he's ignoring you. But you know in your heart it's a lie. You know it. The next one, God withholds from you. Satan would love for you to believe this, that you're missing out because all your friends are having sex, you're not, and you're missing out. God is screwing you over because you're going to get to your wedding and find out that, dang, I missed 15 years of fun waiting for this. That's what Satan wants you to really get in your brain so that marriage becomes almost negative, and you see it in our culture every day. You probably hear it on TV all the time. You're getting married? Why would you do that? Your life's over, man. Like, it's been degraded to a place that it's like punishment. It's like hell. It's like you're seriously going to go there on purpose? Like, that's where our culture has taken the most beautiful gift that God has created and said, this is not good. God's withholding from you. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. He doesn't have a good plan. He's actually just keeping all the good stuff from you. And this applies to more than sex, guys. This is the drugs, the alcohol, the partying, the fun, the fast driving your car like an idiot. Because that's so much fun. And if you don't do that stuff, you're missing out. And God really doesn't want you to have that much fun. Once again, it goes back to what Dylan said last week. How you perceive God to be is the God you get to access. And if you believe he's withholding all the goods from you, you're going to live that way. And you're going to find out that you robbed yourself of everything that was potentially good for you. Promise it. Third lie is God actually rejects you. Here's the reality we struggle with all the time. Guys, statistically, five out of ten women look at pornography on a regular basis. Seven out of ten men. So it's a double issue. Both sides masturbation, self-pleasure, all this kind of stuff that gives us this whole, like, you know, it's not hurting anybody, so it's probably just fine. But guess what it begins to do? It's the fantasizing. It's the lustful looking. It's all that kind of stuff that begins to condition your heart to a reality of sexuality that isn't possible. And it's not reality. And it begins to dull your senses to the ability to actually experience it the way it's meant. And short of an absolute supernatural work of God, which he can do to erase the memories, erase the, mem- the memories and the, the images in your mind and the things and the feelings and the chemical releases that burn things into your memory for the rest of your life, you begin to get desensitized to the beauty of God's great creation that is your sexuality. Guys, there's so much power in it. And we fall into this place of condemnation that God's now rejected me because I screwed up. Shoot, now he doesn't even want me. So what does it even matter? Who cares now? Might as well throw it all away because I know I screwed up. I slept with that guy in a dumb, stupid moment or whatever. Or heck, I was even abused. Somebody raped me when I was six. So now I'm totally damaged good. God rejected me and I don't even have a hope for a good marriage anymore. Does that sound like the heart of a good father? Would I ever do that to one of my boys who came home and said, Dad, I made the worst mistake of my life. My response would not be like, get out of my house. 
Would it, Derek? You know me with my boys. It'd be, it would be hug time, pray time, bring it down, let's fix this. That's God's heart towards you. So who cares where you're at right now up to this night when you walked in this room? Deal with it with God and say, I want better. I want my marriage guarded and protected, so I'm engaged tonight. Can you do that? And then live as though you're engaged. Listen, dating is a great idea. Sure, but can you do it and guard your marriage at the same time? That's the real question. I'm not anti-dating guru guy that's like, you shouldn't even date. You shouldn't even. Go hang out with people of the opposite sex, but can you guard your marriage while you do it? If you can't, then hang out with your guys and hang out with your girls because you're in a bad situation or keep it in a group. Because if putting yourself in a situation that's going to challenge and violate the marriage that you hold valuable, it's not worth it. You will find the right person. You will not miss God's plan for your life. I guarantee it. You will find that person. They will be a perfect match for you. You don't need to seek around and be like, oh, I don't like that characteristic and I don't like that. I guarantee you'll find it better by hanging out with your real, genuine friends with no strings attached because we all know how it feels when all that, oh, we're so in love and we're dating and all of it ends and you feel alone, you feel ashamed, you feel broken, lost, damaged, hurt. Why'd you sign up for that? But it becomes a cycle and a pattern in your life the same way pornography is. There's something inside of you that actually chemically makes you want to do it again. And you know it's destroying you every single time, but it gives you this like, and God put that chemical inside of you to make you want sex again and again and again and again and again. Satan's not playing some trick on you. This was God's ordained reality that he wants you there when it's awakened so that in your marriage it becomes like, I want that. I want that again. I want that again. I want that again. Is that what you want for your marriage? Repeated enjoyment with your spouse forever? No, you don't. You guys are really quiet about that one. I know. It's a lot to swallow. And I totally, my whole huge prayer, and you guys know me well enough. You know my heart is for you. You know I love you dearly. So please, if this super duper offends you, don't be like, I'll never, ever let Ben know that I'm even thinking about a girl ever again. Okay? Please don't let your heart go there. Because the enemy wants to drive you away. Going alone. Ben's rejecting you just like God did. Okay? Please, come talk to me and say, hey, Ben, I don't get it. I'm not there yet. That's Okay? But that's what every one of our youth leaders here in this room are here to stand with you and say, you know what, yeah, I've wrestled with that. I've struggled with that. Derek, yeah, Katie, Stu, John, Jess, guys in the back, where is anybody else? Nikki, I'm looking for all of them, okay? We've all wrestled with this, and we all believe that it can be so overcome. But it takes community, because guess what? That's what you're really longing for when you go and dive into this relationship thing is you're looking for the things God wired you for. Intimacy, connection, and comfort. That's the only reasons people really get into relationships, and it's designed that way. God wants you to be there. You need to be intimate with people. That doesn't mean sex. 
intimacy means to be known. It means people you can be real with and say, hey, this is falling apart in my life and it sucks and I need you. It's not just a pity party. There's a difference there. But it's a reality that says, I need you to come around me and encourage me right now. We need comfort when crap happens. And we need to feel connected to people. Which is the very reason that this exclusive dating, go get in a physical relationship with someone, screws you in every possible way. Because you might feel really connected and really intimate and all that for a little season of time. But while you do that, you bailed on all your friends. And when it all falls apart and you're no longer dating that person, you come back to all your friends, they've moved on as a group in connectivity and intimacy and all of this, and you're stuck lonelier than ever before. So you go find someone else, and you repeat the cycle, and you repeat the cycle. Guys, you're designed to have relationship. Find that. In this season of life, use your self-control and find those things in the most healthy possible way. Because you do have needs. But God has provided for you people. Look around you in this room right now. It takes you putting yourself out there sometime. You can't sit in the corner of a room and be like, nobody likes me. Because everyone else is going like, why don't they like us? <laughs> you know? you got to put yourself in front of people and say, you know what? Let's do this together. I'm kind of messed up. You're kind of messed up. We're probably great for each other. Right? Is anyone in here not messed up? I am. First, you guys are all not messed up. You good? Did I say that backwards? I did. Oh, man. <laughs> Shoot. Anyway. So, no. Is anyone? <laughs> messed up. Right. Messed up. We're all messed up. Okay? Yes. Yes. There we go. I'm so sorry. Strike that from the record. Okay? We need each other, and God made us that way. But when it comes to your sexuality, it's to be cherished, it's to be treasured, because it's a wonderful, wonderful thing for the season of life it's intended. And I seriously challenge you, don't even think in that direction until you're in a place in life when you can really walk it out. I would tell you that. And I've had talks with a bunch of guys in this crowd and this whole thing. And it's to me, it's like, you set yourself up to date for seven years before you can get married. And in week one, you're holding hands. In week two, you're hugging. In week three, you're kissing. In week four, you're making out. What the heck are you going to do for the next six and a half years before you can have sex? That is a sucky pace to get on. Just painting the picture for real. If you, I mean, I'm not saying, like, I truly, with all my heart, believe now that having 100% of the physical part of your relationship saved for the altar and beyond has got to be the most radical and completely life-changing experience you've ever experienced. You ever watched the 16 Kids and Counting show? Anybody? The Duggar family? They've married off three of their grown kids who have not, like, they've, they've held hands before the altar, and that's it. First kiss at the altar, at the wedding, and you're kind of like, that's so weird. Right? From the outside, you're like, but every one of us in our own heart goes, that's powerful. In your heart, you know, because you're like, wow. That's powerful, because they took all of it and said, this married life's going to be a party. 
Because there isn't just like 10% left to, to jump into and then like, oh, okay. Do you follow? Set yourself on a pace that just says, you know what? When I'm nine months, that's the big question. I hear more and more people saying this. Is The question is, how old should I be when I start dating, okay? If you really want to set it up that way. I said, how old? the question would be, how old do you think you'll be when you're ready to get married? 21, 22, 23, 25. Subtract nine months and start dating. It's radical and it's crazy. You're like, are you nuts, man? Are you kidding? Look around you. Like, what do I do for prom? Go to prom, but don't violate your marriage. Is that really possible in our world, in our culture, to set a different standard? Because here's the call, guys. God says, do what I ask you to do, and I'll give you what I told you I'd give you. That's the promises of God. He says, come on. Obey my commandments and see what I'll do. The promises of God are all yours when you walk in the precepts of God. So what do you think God might do to an entire generation of 30 young people that sit in this room right now in a culture that says sex is nothing, gender is nothing? God, save us. 30 of you in this room sit here tonight and say, you know what? I'm engaged and I'll save it. And I will set a new standard because here's the reality, guys. Look around you, even in the church world. Is the current system working? Date, go have fun with different people. Hold hands, kiss, make out. Stop there. Is that working? Are we seeing radically successful marriages, radically in love couples, 30 years into marriage, or are we seeing a divorce rate go through the roof in the church? And we continue to say, yeah, I think that's a good system. It doesn't work. So why not try something different and say, you know what? How about we go back to God's plan? Stop being legalistic and say, this is okay. This is okay. This is okay. No sex. That's a man-made rule that God didn't say. God said, be holy, be pure, honor the marriage bed. That's his command. What does that look like? Dig deep in your heart and say, God, erase from my mind the thoughts and the ways of the world around me and let me see your vision and your purpose for my marriage someday. That's what it is. And watch the world stare you down and go, how the heck do you do that? How are you doing it? That's insane. Because you watch your friends who are sleeping around and a relationship after a relationship after a relationship going, oh, so worthless. Suicide rates are going through the roof in your schools. If free sex and messing around and running around having multiple partners was the solution and the happiness of life, wouldn't we see a different trend? Really? You guys see the death and destruction that's, that's being caused by this. And what has it set up kids for? that are born out of these relationships in this like world that's just like, eh, you know, the dad bails when the, when the girl gets pregnant. Crap, I didn't want that to happen. It's like you could have figured that out probably, you know. The dad goes, I don't want to be responsible because he wasn't in it for that anyway. It was him. He didn't love her or he wouldn't have done what he did. She didn't love him or she wouldn't have let him do what he did because she could have guarded his marriage. And he could have guarded her marriage. 
But adultery was the choice. And it doesn't happen when you have sex. Adultery happens when you begin to enter that arousal point, the awakening that says, I'm turned on. That's it, guys. Look lustfully. Build a fantasy. You're walking in violation of God's plan for your life. Stand up. I'm sorry this was really heavy, but I really want... Guys, serious, if you've got like serious, like Ben, I, you're lying. You're lying. Show this to me. Please come talk to me. I, I don't know how else to say it because I really could probably talk for six hours. I did a half a page of six pages of notes tonight. Like seriously, there's so much more to this, guys. And my heart bursts and breaks to see a generation say, we're going to shift this because what's happening doesn't work. It's broken. It's screwed up and you all know it. You can rationalize around it and say, well, I know it's broken, but I kind of like it. Hear your heart say, this hurts. This hurts me to see what's happening. And say, I'll rise above it. And just see, will God not honor what you do tonight? The commitment you make in your heart tonight that says, you know what? I'm engaged now. And I won't violate that. Even if the person I'm standing with right now next to me is who I'm going to marry. And you won't know that for a long time, okay? Look the other way, Abby. No, okay, no, Even if, no, I'm like, she looked like, anyway, so. Is this bad? Is this dying? No. Oh, that's okay. Wow, now this is loud. The recording is going to burst off. Okay. You don't know right now who it is. But it doesn't have to matter because your purity is not a gift to them. It's a gift to God. So give him the gift right now here in this place. Your purity is not some bidding coin that you can bring to marriage and say, hey, I brought my whole purity. What do you got? Come on. Because God restores. So I repeat again, wherever you're at right now, you're thinking in your heart, Ben, you're talking a great language that would have worked when I was nine maybe, but now it's like way down the road. Decide now. Say, God, this is it. I'm done messing. I didn't know. I didn't get it. I didn't hear it. You're responsible for what you know now. So the real question is, do you trust God? It's easy to believe God, especially when you go to church. I believe God. But do you trust God that the plan he has and the design he has is better than anything the world's got to offer? Do you really trust him? Do you see him as a father who you can trust? Because that'll determine your heart condition for the next 80 years of your life. Trust him and he won't fail you. Put your hands up for me. I don't know how to officially end this, wrap this, but I just call you right now to talk to God about it. Wherever your heart is right now, completely just ignore what's going on around you in the room and just get before God right now and say, God, I need help on part of this because it doesn't all line up yet. I'm not there. It's not clicking. It's not this. It's not that. Or you're saying, wow, God, you showed me something I've never seen and never heard tonight. I want to give you my purity. I want to get engaged tonight. 
and I want to guard my marriage from this day forward. And some of you that are sitting here going, I messed it up. I broke it. Say, God, fix me. Repair my heart. Erase the memories. Erase the images. Restore my heart in every way possible. There's crazy, miraculous stories that have happened. Chris Valentin shares a story of a girl that was totally, horrendously abused for years of her life. And she ended up meeting a guy who was a great Christian guy, and they were moving toward getting married. And one night she goes over to Chris Valentin's house, goes cry, or calls him on the phone, crying, I can't marry him. I'm not worthy. And he goes, you know what, young lady? I'm going to pray to God right now for you. And he's going to restore your virginity. And she's like, what, huh? And he's like, I don't know. What am I thinking here right now? But he's like, I'm going to pray. And he's going to restore your virginity. No lie. She goes to the doctor right after this. I might have some of the details wrong. And her hymen was completely restored miraculously after years and years and years of abuse. God is capable. Dave sung it in the whole stinking song. You're big enough, God. Nothing's impossible for you. So if you're in that place and you're feeling broken, way beyond repair, you're not. That's not how God operates. But take today and say, God, I give you my purity. It's all yours. He's a good father who loves his sons and loves his daughters. And he's got good plans in place. So God, I just pray grace over each and every one of these young people tonight, God. Stir their hearts, God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just irritate their hearts for the next week about this, God. That it would not be a one hour, oh, I heard a great message and all that sounded right. Yeah, I'll go for it. God, I pray for the next week you would annoy these young people with the reality of what this is, with the power of what their marriage will be and the power that their sexuality holds and the power that they have every single day to guard it and to guard those around. Holy Spirit, I release you to show them, God, to free them from the bondages of the lies the enemy has said, that he doesn't care, that you don't care, that you've that you're holding stuff back or that you've totally rejected them, God, I pray a release of freedom and restoration over these young people, God, over every part of their hearts, God. And we declare a breaking off of patterns that do not align with your design. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching the Airborne Youth.